Welcome everybody to this episode of Emerge From Your Box podcast. I have a super special guest today. His name is Kai Jordan. He's a transformational life coach and um, I actually met him through a mutual friend of ours, Heidi Solomon. So Heidi, thank you. A little shout out for you for introducing us. Um, Kai works with people um, on all different areas of life and we're about to find out a little bit about him and how he serves the world so without further ado, welcome Kai. Hey, thanks Margaret. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, appreciate having you on the podcast. <laughs> You're so, so welcome. So Kai is tuning in straight from Bali. We're a few hours different. Uh, we finally made the you know, time today to be together. I'm really interested in hearing more about how you ended up in Bali or is that where you've always started? Tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> yeah, so I was born in Canada. And I lived there for 28 and a half years. And uh, I, I've been living in Bali now for three and a half years, approximately. Uh, I moved out here. Originally, I had the inclination to expand where I live. And I had this idea that I would love to live in a place that I would like to vacate. Uh, in other words, I'd like to be on vacation all the time. So I, I made the decision to, to relocate to a place that I would... Uh, like to be on vacation and so i've been living kind of on vacation uh for the last three years since i made that decision which has been amazing because i get to do my work uh, online digitally i used to do um kind of healing work before transformational coaching and so i was much more in person body work and doing energy body work i did some distant sessions but at a certain point i just felt too and uh, too contained doing hands-on work and I wanted to be able to be flexible and free and I wanted time freedom where I could choose when I work with people and I wanted location freedom choosing where I live and I wanted also um, financial freedom and, and the coaching lifestyle I guess you can call it that provides all three and uh, happened to be a, a wonderful way to be able to show up and also serve people so um, when I made that decision everything kind of organized itself. I ended up moving out here without a plan, without a um, sturdy job, if you will. It's not like I had, I can work out here in Bali. I can only work online, but I hadn't established my business yet online. I was more so in person. So there's a big jump into the unknown and uh, it's been amazing. I mean, things have just expanded so much in the last three, four years. I have to say for the listeners and myself personally as well, I'm quite envious that you get to, you know, do what you love, where you love in one of the most beautiful places in the world and even coming from another one of the most beautiful places in the world in Canada. Um, and, you know, I guess it's so beautiful to hear that you just mentioned you had no plan. You just kind of decided within yourself that this is something that you loved and wanted to dedicate yourself to. And I've also been able to successfully do that because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening who are maybe sitting in a position right now that are thinking, that's what I want. I want a life where I feel like I'm on holiday all the time. You know, I want to, I do love what I do. And as you said, you were very hand-on, but it does become time-consuming. So, you know, how do you, let's go back a little bit more before that as well. How did you even fall into the work um, that you're, you know, doing on serving uh, people with now? Mm. Well, I started with massage therapy and that was more stumbling into it because my dad was a massage therapist. So I kind of was surrounded by that. Um, and it was something that piqued my interest because at the time I was very athletic and into sports and I wanted to understand how to, I was working out a lot. So I really loved learning about the body and massage therapy allowed me to explore that, all the physiology and anatomy and kinesiology, how it all works, how it's all put together. And my interest into sports, I worked with a lot of athletes. And so I started more so on a therapeutic path. You know, I didn't really didn't like the relaxation. I sit there and just make uh, someone feel feel the good tingly feelings. I wanted to like see what I could do. I wanted to change stuff. I wanted to help people. I wanted to uh, help them transform. Rehabilitate, yeah, dysfunction, things <laughs> that weren't working. And 
So I, I started with that. And then pretty soon I very quickly saw the limitations of really working on a physical level uh, because people would come in and I was really good at what I did in terms of getting results and helping them re rehabilitate. But I noticed that there was certain things that, that weren't that weren't able to be treated through that physical modality. Like people would come in with say maybe a tennis elbow or a frozen shoulder where they couldn't lift them all the air. Just physiologically, it's, it's really difficult to get that. And I didn't understand it at the time, but I started exploring other modalities and a lot of different uh, ways of looking at the body. And body talk became one of the main ones that I took because it was such a comprehensive understanding of various systems, it draws, draws from Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, and um, different type of energetic work. So I, I had a very wide mm, perspective through that modality. And I had people coming in for all sorts of things from, they wanted help with their relationship, they wanted help with uh, forgiving their father for this thing, and they wanted help with their, you know, their scar tissue, like everything that I could work on, it was very holistic. I started to piece together my understanding of how mind and how the emotions and how the body all function as one. And there's not really a separation. It, here's a simple, a simple realization that I had that is probably going to seem like obvious, but for me, it, it really wasn't until I If I have a finger here, when we work on something like, let's say someone had a strained finger, they come in, fingers not working. Typically, if you're working on the body, you, you'll go into that part and you'll try and work around the area. But the crazy thing that I realized was, you know, this thing, although it's a finger and we give it a name and a definition and a, a box, it is actually not distinguishable from the body. Pull it here, it's going to move every part of the body. And in fact, it's going to pull every aspect. So sometimes you need to release the toe to get the finger to unlock. And that was mind-blowing when I really understood how interconnected, because we create these separations in our mind. We yeah. think that there's categories that you can place things into, but there's not. It's just one thing. I really love that you raised that, because even the way it's taught traditionally, you know, they segregate and isolate. But I do completely agree. It is a holistic approach. Um, if you look at something like the meridian lines, you know, they have so much effect on... Um, you know where it starts and where it ends and it doesn't really end anyway because it is you know a whole <laughs> approach to I love that it's um it's something that people are starting to become aware of I'm starting to see now but mm -hmm. yeah that's amazing thank you for sharing that yeah it's so simple I mean it, but because we've been taught to segregate things into categories to try and understand them We've been taught from a young age that that's how you understand life is you break it into smaller pieces. Mm -hmm. That's not really understanding life. That's analyzing life. That's not understanding. In the way that I have come to know what understanding is on an experiential level, like you can't understand yourself in the sense of you can't intellectually break apart the self mm -hmm. and get a real experience out of it. It's not possible. I love but that's that. how our mind <laughs> is oriented to try and make sense of life. It tries to understand things by breaking it apart instead of by experiencing the totality of something. And so, you know, we experience segments of ourselves. We experience pieces and fractions of our identity. But the healing really happens when you experience the totality. So that is a different direction of conversation than what I came to see personal development was really just working on the part that maybe was dysfunctional, but it wasn't really necessarily holistic. Mm. So even in my experience working with people, I came to the wall of understanding I, I also can't get any further working with this kind of mindset of breaking things apart to try and understand. I have to look at what the source of all of the dysfunction is, which is on a, on a deepest level, 
how people choose to be. I love that. You know, one of my favorite sayings is, if I want to be free, I simply have to be me. But how do people know to be if they don't even know, you know, <laughs> who they really are? So how do you do that? You know, how did you, how do you take somebody that's, um, let's just say, going through physical pain and allow them to see what's really causing that and, and help them transition? Mm. I mean, the, the way that I see it now is, I'll, sh I'll share with you how I see the dysfunction being created, then we'll look at how to resolve. So dysfunction is essentially created when we, and this is, this is really subtle, okay? So it may not resonate and that's okay. It took me a decade and a lot of work on people to just try and piece together this. So if it doesn't resonate, it's okay, but we'll try and a full picture here so that it does. And the deepest level, what causes dysfunction is when we are creating ideas about life that aren't true. And if we just apply that to ourselves, if we think about ourselves, because in one moment of our life, someone judged us for what we did, and they said that was wrong. And we conclude, so we create this idea about ourselves and the totality of self as being wrong and bad. That's a distortion on the totality. That may be, it's not even accurate, I can't even say it's accurate, but it may be it may be a way to describe the moment. It can't be accurate because no conclusion is accurate about who we are. It might describe, like history can be described, right? Things that have happened can be described. Accurate? Mm, there's always a subjective nature to history. There's always through the lens of the, of the viewer of how we view the moment and which side of history are we on, right? So even in the sense of, can, can an objective truth really be um, experienced or, or, or witnessed through a subjective lens, through an individual lens? Mm, not really. So what we've done is we've taken someone else's lens and we've identified with it. We have created a self-concept. And that self-concept occupies the totality of self. As a, I will also, I'll use music as a dissonant frequency. It's like if the symphony was the totality of who you are, that belief or that idea would be the violin that's just playing the wrong note. You know? And you know something's off, but you, you don't know exactly where it's coming from. And you kind of find out. And so this feeling of dis-ease, this feeling of discomfort, it on the, on the subtlest level comes from that distortion of mind. Mm -hmm. And that's why people are trying to do meditation and mindfulness and things, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring a neutrality to these distorted ideas about life. And what, what meditativeness is, the, the goal of meditation, if you will, what's the outcome if you did meditation? It's not really something you can do, it's something you can be, you can be meditative, state. But doing meditation always takes you away from that state. So where do you end up if you actually accomplish the goal of meditating? Mm. You just end up in a quiet mind with no distortion of self and therefore no distortion of how you experience reality through self. Yeah, you know, I used to struggle with meditation as well. I remember being quite an active athlete and, you know, could do boxing for a really long time. But when it came to meditation and actually sitting still and becoming present with my own thoughts and allowing that to just, you know, allowing myself to just be, I really struggled. So what would you say to someone that doesn't know how to do um, or how to be, you know, a meditator? 
Yeah, that's a really great question. And it comes down to another conditioning approach that we've taken on in life, which is this whole equation. We got the life equation wrong. We were taught, if you want to be happy, do A, B, C, then B is the reward. Happiness is a reward. It's the outcome of doing. Mm -hmm. We were taught that being is an outcome of doing. Even if you say that, if you slow that down, how can you ever get to being, which is an absence of activity, through doing activity? <laughs> It's not possible. Like, how can you fall asleep while running on the treadmill? Basically, what we're asking. You just have to do it to the point that you pass out. <laughs> That's it. You have to do so much activity to the point that you physically can't do any more activity. Then you let go and you go and you give up and you go, oh. Yeah. That's how most people are approaching meditation, <laughs> is through. Through overdoing, getting to the point of just giving up. But that doesn't, you know, meditativeness doesn't require exhaustion of activity. That's one way to get there. Like you can become meditative through physical intensity. Playing a sport with absolute intensity, you can slip into meditativeness. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that you raised that because, um, you know, some people actually do prefer open eye meditations others prefer to be you know in the forest but i really think it's important for people to come to realize what you just said now you can become in a meditative state as long as you're present in the moment and you're being in alignment with what it is that you know you set out to do or be for that day um, and it's something that, because I remember speaking to a friend of mine and she said to me, I don't know how to meditate, but I would watch her sitting next to me at the beach, just stare into the ocean and meditate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You have this idea that you have to be chanting with your legs crossed on a pillow, you know, and, and have that pers perspective and look like that and do that. But yeah, I, I really love that you <laughs> have highlighted that it doesn't have to be like that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, that that that's become the way that some people get there because of their inclination, because they just don't know how to stop doing, and that's that's because the equation, the equation to their happiness is reliant on activity. So the fact that they've built their life on this equation that isn't really aligned with how life works. Even their profession is stressful. Even their relationships are stressful. Everything takes a lot of energy to get a little return. They always need to do more to get a little bit of happiness. Like if you think about goals, three months to create a project, how long do you celebrate that project before you're on to the next one? Maybe you give yourself a night out. <laughs> If you're Italian, you go for a month on vacation. So, okay, they, they, they take a little more joy. Westerners and people in the kind of the North American mindset, like it may just be me, but I think high performers, high performers on any level who are constantly looking to enhance their performance. Mm. They don't take much time to really enjoy the success, to enjoy the fruits of their labor, even that firm is quite misleading fruits of the labor it, it implies that it can't be fruitful the labor itself isn't isn't a beautiful experience that's right yeah, so, the point of life is to just plant the seeds and maybe never with intend to enjoy the fruits of the labor but just plant the seeds so if not you, somebody else may have the opportunity to do that. You know, what, what if the point of life is actually to experience death and we're just here for the ride? I don't know. It's just... yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing that's guaranteed. 
That's right. Absolutely <laughs> guaranteed. Everyone is going to be successful. But I love what you said before, you know, it really brings me to something that I've come to realize in my own life. You know, I found that force versus flow really hijacks the experience as a human that I've had. And mm -hmm. when I stopped trying, when I stopped, um, you know, setting like really ridiculous goals, me personally, I like to set intention because it doesn't, man doesn't matter if I don't reach that, you know, that deadline, that post, it means that I'm still living in alignment with my intention. And I don't know, you know, how do you even know what your actual purpose is in life? You know, you can sit there and do brainstorming, get narrowed, focus on your ikigai, do all of that. But how do you even know, you know? So what if the purpose is, like you said, just to get into that meditative state in whatever it is that you're doing and be present in that moment? Because maybe you only have that moment, you know? Yeah, I absolutely I really resonate with the idea that purpose may be something beyond what we do, our purpose in life. And, and here's why I really resonate with that. Just recently, I've experienced a sense of purposelessness in my work that has been shocking because I've always been very driven, very purposeful, very in some ways goal oriented but but results oriented you know and i didn't know how to just do something for the sake of doing something without the sake of getting something yeah so there's there's like a goal oriented purpose in life what i'm here to achieve you know this is a very masculine type of purpose and that it's it's needed because there are things, obviously, if you look at the world, there are things that need to happen, right? There are things that need correction and there's things that need to change. And there, there is going to be, unless the will of collective consciousness shifts, then we're just headed down the same path, mm -hmm. right? Unless people wake up to the will of more harmonious consciousness in life then we're headed down the same path as individuals. Do you think that we'd have a different world if people started living in alignment with their heart's desires, which is what they want versus what they need and what they've been told that they need? Yes, absolutely. I think if people, the, the, for me, what will, the only way to change the world is by changing the level of consciousness and self-awareness of the individuals that make up that world. Because even society is a concept. There's just individuals doing what they want to do. And, and some, some of them are living from their own internal compass. And others are looking at other people and, and thinking, maybe I could do that. Maybe that's what I, maybe that's who I am. Maybe they're learning about themselves through the reflection of others, not through knowing self. And I'll give you an example of where, where I've come across this concept. The definitive knowing versus a relative knowing. So in music, I'm sure you've heard there's people that can identify a note that's called perfect pitch, right? And I grew up as a musician, and I always thought perfect pitch was a gift that you were born with. But I came across this training called perfect pitch wow. that taught you, taught you how to identify the sound, the distinct sound in each of the eight notes that a perfect person with perfect pitch can identify. He also has a program called relative pitch. And relative pitch is if you give me any note and tell me that note, I can find any other note on the piano. So I only know it when I have something to give me that first relationship. I know it relationally. Mm. I don't definitively. Mm. If this is super, yes. This is super powerful if you see this about ourselves. Do we know ourselves only because 
of something external and the relationship we have to it? Or do we know who we are definitively? Mm. It's a big question, isn't it? Because I do truly believe, like yourself, that we are just a perspective of consciousness, you know, if you take this to a different style of conversation. but And life mm -hmm. is a game of perception. How do you know, like, what you've... Ex Let's just take something like water. Water has the capacity to hydrate you or drown you, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on who's telling the story, it's a completely different story, isn't it? This is the human experience I'm seeing right now with everything that's happening. I actually love that it's all unfolding the way it is because it allows us to do a complete reset. Um, that's just my opinion on that. <laughs> yeah. For any structure to find a different level of order, it first needs to, to find a state of chaos. Mm. And I, I think we're in a state of chaos right now. Um, and some people are managing chaos because again, that's a relationship. We have a relationship to order. And we have a relationship to chaos. And some people thrive in chaos, like flow, flow people thrive in chaos. And some people drown in chaos. Mm -hmm. And some people thrive in order and some people get imprisoned. Yeah, what I find really interesting is something I heard from one of the mentors that I love, you know, your outer world is a reflection of your inner world. So all this chaos that's happening outside, is it possible that, you know, it's because everybody's feeling this on the inside and, you know, the only way to reset is to, like you said, just become present and be instead of trying to do it. Because clearly, even if you look at jobs, you know, like retail, for example, where I came from has completely changed the way it operates you know so i don't know maybe people need to start thinking about that and you know at the end of the day nothing matters but everything counts mm. mm -hmm. you know i don't know i just um <laughs> i love that we're having a conversation which is really silent but i'm <laughs> picking up everything else that you're saying without saying anything <laughs> i hope the listeners are listening tuning into this frequency as well <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of uh, communication in the silence and what's not being said you know and that's 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 one thing that um i think is quite powerful is to see that sometimes the absence of communicating certain things or sometimes what people don't say tells more about what's going on than what they do say Mm. how do you teach that to somebody you know i know that as intuition mm. and, you know i understand things like personally you know frequency and if somebody's on a high vibration you know it's it's quite new terminology to some people who may have never experienced a world of personal development or transformation within themselves how do you teach somebody to become at one with being in alignment with their purpose if if that's what they're going for. How do you mm -hmm. do that? How do you teach somebody that? <laughs> well, here's where, here's where I think, um, if you'll notice how I answer, how do you do that is always with, why isn't that already happening? That's how I answer things. Because for me, I don't, I can't, I can't tell someone how to do their purpose. I can tell someone how to stop doing a life that's inauthentic. Mm. Because the, like, that's the interesting thing is the real result comes by taking away the things that you're doing that aren't working. It doesn't come from doing more, mm. you know? And, and so we have to take away the misunderstanding before we can start to explore what is what can be done. But most, I would say, approaches and most people in the way that they approach life, they're looking for the next thing to do. And what this ends up being is kind of like a coping strategy. So what I'm doing isn't working for me. It's not really, I feel horrible doing what I'm doing. Show me what else to do. Let me try something else. But we don't, we don't understand that our state of being is underneath all the doing. And just changing the doing, the activity doesn't change the way that you're doing on always. There are ways to create circumstances that transformation. That, that completely destroy 
the limitations of how you've been conditioned in the past. But in terms of how does someone come to live in alignment with their purpose? That's the question. The truth is people's relationship with desire has been very suppressed and stifled. And if you find someone who's really in tune with just the, the energy of desire and who has a healthy relationship, those people are, are living in, in alignment with their purpose because from within each life has a sense of direction, has a compass. It's like a bird. I was watching this bird the other day, this little baby bird, which was kind of up in this nest and there were some vines coming down and it was on the ground. And it had jumped out of the nest by itself without mama. Mama didn't say, hey, time for you to get out of here. You're 18 now. You know, like it didn't need something external to say, get out of here, figure it out. It, it had this impulse, it had this instinct. And the instinct of flying is already within the bird. Mm. It just doesn't get so caught up in the world because it doesn't have language where it can be taught concepts by external factors and external influencers. So it doesn't develop a relationship to, I need to listen to what that person says about what's good for me. It doesn't develop that distortion of how to live my life. It just follows that instinct. Whereas most of us have been taught, we've been educated to the point of learned helplessness in some cases, we've been educated to the point of not trusting our own desire and our own self and our own internal compass. We've been, we've been conditioned and hypnotized mm -hmm. external forces and media and not even realizing that we, the majority of our thoughts are not authentically our own. 100%. And I love that you brought it back to, you know, Mother Nature. If you look at something like a fractal, you know, um, it knows what its purpose is here. You know, if you look at something like a lion, it knows what its purpose is here. It's, you know, to be a lion. How do we teach humans exactly what you just said? And I think this is why when I look out into the world, I see a lot of addiction and people associate addiction with alcohol and that sort of thing. But it's also... Um, addiction to doing you know like you said people are very very busy we have a lot of busy bees but where are they going you know what have they achieved what are, what are they actually striving for how do you teach somebody to just be <laughs> without being a busy bee <laughs> I, I, i'm going to come to this and you said something that i don't know it turned on a light bulb from so i want to say it you said the phrase busy bees and, and what I heard was most people, instead of being busy bees, they're busy do's mm -hmm. in the sense that I've learned that if I'm, I just show up and I'm present, I can do eight calls in a day and not be tired. Mm -hmm. But if, if I'm in doing mode, like I need to show up and do something for that person, I get exhausted after three or four calls. So it is possible to be like active, have a lot of activity in your life and to not be stressed at all with the doing. And that's that's going to be a hard concept because that took me a long time to really see. But what I'm saying is if you can just show up as yourself to everything without thinking that you have to do something or be or do something different to make things happen. If you can just show up and be yourself, be present and allow the moment to provide you with what's needed from you. There's no pressure on you. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, something that I was taught from a young age was make the most of your time. You know, we have 86,400 seconds a day, but what are people actually doing with that time? You know, they, 
like you just said, some people say, oh, I don't have the energy to do this. But if you do tap into the concept of just being, you do also come to realize that energy is infinite. And if you are connected to source, you can always tap into that to be who you are. How do we teach people that? Because I see that as a big problem now. Everybody's in hustle and grind mode. There's nothing wrong with um, being that if that is what you love to do. But I see coming from the corporate world and myself personally, I've been through this you know there are so many people with stress and anxiety because they're trying to do and be someone they're not they're they're being shown that this is success this is freedom this is but what they're doing is really sacrificing their time and that's another topic in itself time doesn't exist that was created by man you know so yeah how do you get somebody to come to realize that one of the ways that i've approached it for people at a fundamental level, they're thinking is you really have to start putting into question was the stuff that you learned from your parents and your teachers and from other people in your in your environment really useful and true? Look at their life. How well did they manage it? How well was it going for them? Most people were a mess. Most of our people that we idolized and that we modeled, that we we looked to for guidance, they didn't really have it figured out. So we have to say to ourselves, look, a lot of the stuff that I believe works, it only works to get that kind of stressful life that I saw those people living. Like that's what it's good for. And if I really look at my own life, what I know to be true, what I believe about life, it's getting me my current reality. But is that really working for me? Like, am I happy? Am I peaceful? Am I joyful? Not because of something, but because I'm a lot more like a child is joyful by their own nature. Mm. If not, then I probably don't really understand how life works, and that's okay. I have to start where I'm at. I have to start with the honesty of, look, it's not working for me. All the stuff that people are telling me is going to make me happy. Has it worked? Yeah, it's very true. Um, I guess where I was going with that was... um, I see a lot of people in a state of survival, you know, and they're, like you said, they're carrying the pattern, they're carrying, it's not even their voice, it's not even their idea, it's not even their concept of life. They were just told and programmed from a very young age to to do that because it works. You know, you go to school, you get a job, you get married, have children, and then you die. It's, it's <laughs> you know, it's, it's what we're being educated with um, very much but I would love to see people like yourself and many others come together and and help shift that because you know I mean I lived in a state of survival myself for a long time until I realized that you don't have to live the life that was set out for you by somebody that didn't enjoy theirs either don't copy that don't do that don't follow the footsteps of somebody that isn't truly like you said raw and real and happy with themselves you know I still see a lot of people running away from their true selves and our I truly do believe that our natural state is love and bliss you know where we're born into the world absolutely perfect and then depending on whose family you ended up in it can change (laughs) you know so yeah just I love that you raised that you know um, allowing people to become conscious that they are the creator of their reality you know, you do, can, and you should be. I don't even like the word using the word should, but, you know, you can be who you are organically if you allow yourself to get raw and real and then come to peace within yourself with what that actually is. Um, mm-hmm. That's step one, isn't it? it? It's probably, in my view of the world, what could be taught to change it going forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's um, there's very little that I've seen in education, 
and sources of media that you know are the main are the predominant factors of in, information in most people's lives, children's lives, where do they, you know, our boys are eight, six, and, and one. And when they watch something on television, whose mind are they watching? Mm. You're, you're, you're watching, now everyone can have their own TV channel on YouTube. You, I can create my own channel and, and have people watch what's going on in my mind. Am I in a healthy state of mind? Mm. Was, not all the people on YouTube are in a healthy state of mind, but what we're experiencing through YouTube is their world. And so kids are taking in that world without realizing it, all of their beliefs, all of their identities, all of their kind of preferences and distortions are also being transmitted through that channel. And if the child takes that on and believes that that's how life is, they'll also take on those distortions. So this is really you know, understanding most of the stuff that you think is you, thoughts that go through your head, the ideas, they have nothing to do with who you really are. Mm. They're imprints. Is there a way that we can teach the children or they don't even have to be children? You know, there's a lot of broken children walking around adults um, in adult bodies right now. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that we can teach them, you know, both sides so that they understand the duality of what it is that their current reality looks like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, there are certain yogic practices that we've given our children. I mean, not our one-year-old. It's more so how you live at that, at that age, right? It's, it's how do you live and what's your level of consciousness? That's what your child will take on as normal. And this is going to sound almost too simple but if people understood the relationship that thought plays in their life and how that creates their reality if they understood that relationship they could take in information and not be identified with it not get lost not have their consciousness become identified with that which is external to itself mm. and that's the problem is people are unaware of how this one functions from within and how how we as spiritual beings integrate interact with a physical world so that spiritual being, that formless dimension of our awareness, that awareness that's been present from the moment you were born, that is unchanging awareness, that has taken different shapes and forms based on the kind of thinking that it identifies with. Happy thoughts, negative thoughts, resentful thoughts, optimistic thoughts, it, all these different thought forms that it's identified with in the moment that's created the moment by moment experience. If we only understood that the relationship of who we are to thought, with thought and the physical world being something external to us, we could be in the world and not be entrapped by it, not be imprisoned by it, not get stuck in experience and traumatized by an experience and carry that memory forward for 20 years plus without it being resolved. Because what resolves trauma is awareness, mm. understanding that that experience is actually a memory. It's not, that's and what resolves different things. Something that you touched on, sort of, um, I've been asking myself, you know, you mentioned that sometimes our thoughts aren't ours. So where does that initial thought come from? And then who thinks that? And then who thinks that? You know, how far do you go in finding out where that actually that actual thought came from, if it's not yours? <laughs> There's, you know, it's... Um... There can be some value to tracing the thought back to either 
cultural or ancestral genetic memory, stuff like that. Um, but at the end of the day, what really has the power to set ourselves free is being able to disidentify with thought itself, being able to unhook ourselves from a belief, mm. from a, what a belief is, is a reality constructed with thought. So can, can one identify with the thought that thought the thought? <laughs> She's coming. <laughs> well, so again, it's it's not it's not that the thought has the power to make us feel. It's when consciousness identifies with thought, it brings that into our experience of reality. If we're living in a virtual reality, whether or not we we want to um, I, I, I can't go as far as making this a matrix thing in the sense that, you know, it was the whole world or no, uh, for me, there is, there isn't a, there is a reality. There is truth. Truth does exist. There is, there is something that is absolute, but there is human beings are living in a subjective experience of the absolute. In other words, they are individually creating I don't know what you're saying. So for people listening, maybe you know the pen wouldn't exist unless you gave it the meaning that it's a pen, for example. Yeah. So there's that that personal experience of meaning, like what it means to you. Mm. That experience, like, is the gold pen special to a dog? No. But it's just a cheap one. You know, it makes no difference that it's made of gold. To me, I think it's really special. I mean, me to be safe, me to hide it from people. Like that's the meaning we assign to things that are meaningless. That's right. And you know, the meaning you give is the meaning you'll live, right? So if you assign a different meaning, then it's a completely different experience again. And that's that's where that's where we can change the subjective dimension of life. That's where we can unhook. You know, like if you look at experiences in your life and you look at the meaning you gave that about yourself about the people involved and about life in general. If you, if you can explore those three meanings that you assign, right? So if I was involved in a situation when I was young and someone attacked me in a dark, in a dark alley and, and I got beat up, what is that? What do I conclude about myself? So if I didn't handle that so well, maybe I might say, well, I'm not safe not safe okay so i concluded that i made that mean i'm not safe what do i conclude about that person um that person was a, was an abuser i was abused and what do i make it mean about that environment that dark environment that's that's a scary environment that's so there's there's actually this meaning we don't we don't see that that's happening but we've assigned meaning to all three of those aspects of that experience and once we can change the meaning, our relationship to that experience completely changes. This is a really important, um, you know, topic that we just sort of stumbled across when it comes to the transformation phases of people. Because, you know, like I, like I sort of shared earlier, you can go to the ocean and enjoy the water, or you can go to the ocean and have an experience of drowning. And what you associate to that experience is the life that you live so it's really important for for people to understand that even if you had have had an experience which appears traumatizing sometimes the storms come to save you and it's pushing you in the direction that you're actually supposed to be on but you just didn't know that because you've always had a certain meaning assigned to that experience based on somebody else's stories and perspective you've never allowed yourself you know, to walk down that path yourself. So that's um, an interesting way or something to, for people to think about. <laughs> yeah, I, I love how you, I love how you brought in the, the kind of the awareness of 
if you if you assign the meaning that you were traumatized by a certain situation, if that's the meaning you give to yourself in a circumstance, mm. then you will live that reality of traumatized. And I remember waking up one day and having a, uh, an insight in my meditation in the morning, which I had thought about this event that had happened to me, which for me was quite traumatic. And then, and then for whatever reason that day, I realized, wait, why am I thinking about that experience in a traumatic way? And I understood that I was recalling, recollecting the memory of an experience for the traumatic lens. Mm -hmm. I saw that, I completely let go of feeling like that was traumatic. I realized, well, that situation wasn't traumatic. I just think about it in a traumatic way when I recall that memory. And that brings you brings me back to like where did you learn that that was a traumatic experience you know okay let's take something really simple that a lot of people have been through a breakup you know it tugs your heart it you know plays on your emotions all of these things happen it's the worst thing in the world but is it maybe that's the door to the love of your life you know and I can personally say that because I've been through that and I know what it feels like to have your heart broken and vice versa but maybe your heart was broken so it would open expand more you know just giving a different meaning to the breakup which you know I, I think most people have experienced that um, I can look back now and say that it was a blessing in disguise but at the time it felt like somebody had ripped my heart out of my chest you know but only doing the work within myself did I realize that that was the biggest blessing of my life because what eventuated after that was a domino effect of absolute bliss in every area. Had I stayed in that relationship, it would have been a completely different story. We probably wouldn't be having this conversation. But, <laughs> yeah, just to keep it a sort of um, bring it back to a bit of simplicity for people listening, just lean into that, you know, what Kai was sharing about, um, having that different perspective on the experience you had um, can absolutely change everything. It certainly has for me, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's cool and yet sometimes difficult to think different ways. And so that's why it's not always easy. It's yeah, look. What we're talking it's a good thing to this think. This means you change your thing. It's a great thing to think if you know how to think. But sometimes people aren't taught how to think. So it can become quite challenging. But I guess this is why, um, you know, I am so passionate about just, I don't, I'm not right and I'm not wrong. I'm just, like you said, this is my YouTube channel. This is your YouTube channel. Sharing what I've experienced in the walk so that other people can have the perspective not to judge, not to copy, not to whatever they want to do with it is what they do with it. But I think it's really important to have these conversations, you know, and the reason I even started this podcast was to open that space again. I feel like as adults, you know, we've had so many different voices come in and we forgot to have conversations like we did as kids. We used to talk about anything in, in the kindergarten, in the playground, you know, let's start doing that again. Let's just start having conversations and showing people that maybe their way isn't the only way because it's 100% not. You know, there's so many different ways that you can walk the path of life. There's 8 billion people on the planet. We're not doing it all the same way. However, you know, we're all having an absolute ball. Well, I am anyway. I love, I love the human experience. It's amazing, but... Um, yeah, just inviting people to think from that perspective. There isn't the right way. There's nothing bad. There's nothing good. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing right. Just be. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's it's a deep one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Kai, what is it that you want to give to others? I would say the most impactful thing I could give to others is an experience of who they really are. Mm -hmm. 
beyond all the conditioning, beyond all the distortions, beyond all of the beliefs, is an actual experience. Not a, not a conceptual conversation, but to bring them in a series of conversations into an experience of their of their true self. And, and that's been the most profound thing that's happened to me. And I think that's that's probably the most profound thing that I can give away. So what do you believe about life that you want people to have their own experience on? For me, we're living in a spiritual world, whether or not we know it. We're living in a world that is really not dependent on the circumstances. It is just an illusion that the physical world creates our experience. We create the experience and project onto the physical world. And that brings it back into a state of harmony within ourselves, how we live. When we're in alignment with that truth, that our experience is being created from within. Mm. We live in an empowered and in a conscious present state within ourselves. And that ultimately, if we can just be in that state, we will perform at our best and we will be our most beautiful. And we will interact and relate to life in a healthy way. It's something that's within us. That's, that's, we're tapping into that we are that is going to be the solution for all of the problems that we're personally how beautiful would it be if we could teach people you know the concept of self-mastery but also the concept of co-creation so that we can live in a world where it's all where it is driven by love and connection but at the same time we get to actually be who we are and experience it through our lens without conflict how beautiful would that be and that's the dream of many, many people, many uh, beings who, who have woken up to that or experienced that kind of life. And, and me personally, sometimes I don't realize how, how the way that I think about life may be different from many people. You know, I, I, I can't say, because what I'm sharing with you seems completely normal and natural to me. And if you're listening to this and you're going, wow, that's a weird way to think. I don't know that. Mm. I don't know that that's a weird way to think. Like, my thinking has evolved out of what was pretty much an assumptive way of living, that life is the way everyone thinks it is. You know, it's evolved from that. I started to think differently and started to question and started to think for myself. And so, you know, that's something that I think, um, like you said, it's, it's a matter of just really wanting to be on the path of self-mastery, wanting to know self more, wanting, wanting that to be a focal point of your life, knowing that that's going to be actually what makes the difference. Because where most people are at right now, I would say, COVID has been supportive for people to break their habit, mm. break the compulsive cycle. But some people entered into another compulsive cycle without really deepening their understanding of self. And some people deepened their understanding of self and they changed the way that they relate to life altogether. Mm. And I think the only way that we can change our relationship to life, like you said, co-creation, is when we change our relationship to self. Mm -hmm. So in order to change our world, we have to change ourselves. The only way that our world will look different. Like not just the world, you know, everyone shared experience the world, but our personal reality, which we call our world. That only changes when something shifts inside of us at fundamentally. 
Yeah, I love that because I do truly believe that this is our world, you know, and everybody has a part to play. Maybe some people have sort of never been shown what part they, you know, could be playing in order to contribute to the perfect world. And the thing is, I don't believe that there's, you know, heaven, for example, heaven is on right here, right now, you know, we get to create it. Uh, we get to live in this experience um, with that if we give the meaning that it is already here. I really think that especially with the chaos that's happening right now, it's kind of necessary because for me personally, I've seen how, like you said earlier, some people thrive through it. Some people um, really struggled through that. And I, I feel for people that struggled through that. But I also see that that's a good thing because now that they've seen parts of themselves that maybe they weren't happy with or the partner they chose they weren't happy with or, the, you know, the job that they chose wasn't fulfilling them. It might be difficult for them to get through that, but, you know, going through a transition and transformation within themselves and coming to realise that is also putting them on their path that they're where they can just be, you know. So I don't know, like yourself, some people talk to me and they think I'm completely crazy because I see the world this way, but... For people listening, um, it's your choice to make the transition to start thinking differently, you know, and if thoughts are things, then maybe think about that within your own life and think about why things are the way they are within your world. Uh, it doesn't take much either sometimes, you know, it could be a one degree shift in a different direction with something really simple. Let's take it back to basics, something like nutrition. If you stop eating one thing that isn't good for you just for a week, you know, and watch the impact of that and then apply that to something you're thinking. If you stop, stop thinking something that's not serving you because it's giving you a negative charge to something that you're experiencing, start thinking about that, you know. So, yeah, to a lot of people listening that have not been exposed to some of the terminology of consciousness and, you know, going down this path of our own self-mastery it might be a little bit strange but maybe that's a good thing like going to the gym nobody knows how to do 100 burpees straight up but you learn you know mm. you go through the growth period and yeah you take it breath by breath and step by step mm. yeah i loved our conversation like i said there's a lot being said in silence <laughs> um but I do have one last question for you. If today was your last day on earth and you had one message to give to the world, what would that message be and why? Just be yourself. And the reason why that's so important for me is because I believe who we are. I've come to see not even a belief at this point, it's just awareness. Come to see that inside of me, what I call myself is not the personal, but is something universal. That if I can just be in alignment with that, um, with the source of who I am, with the essence of who I am, and everything in my life is beautiful. And I think if people really woke up to how beautiful their true self was, a lot of chasing and striving and grinding and all of the stuff that we talked about to try and get to happiness would fall away. And there'd be a lot more peace within each individual. That is beautiful. And I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening right now who want to reach, you know, a state within themselves that I can feel through speaking with you. You know, maybe, maybe they want to have a conversation or maybe they're curious about just reaching out to you. Maybe they want to go through a transformational journey with you. Maybe they just want to pick up some of the frequency and energy by communicating with you. How can they reach you? Well, I have um, a mailing list where I do kind of like a weekly series I call Words of Wisdom. 
I just share thoughts. And so people want kind of more of a, a constant stream of, of connection and, and they want to be in touch with me, they can join that mailing list, which I'll give you a link for them to, to join after we can add. Um, if they're looking to inquire about maybe doing some work one-to-one, -one, they want to work with me um, on their own transformation and making their life kind of more of what they want it to be, uh, or they want to work on relationship. My wife and I actually work with couples together, so they can contact me. Well, I'll give you an email. They can just reach out to me directly through the email. And if you just want to have a conversation to see if I can be a service to you and I can be helpful, I'm happy to have a conversation with you. And just to see what's going on for you and how I can be of service. Uh, and, and if I do find that there's something that you can do to support your life, then I'll mention that and we can talk about what that would look like. So there's no expectation on my end if you reach out and you want to have a conversation. Um, it's more so for me to get to know you because I don't come from the assumption that what I do is for everyone. If it, if it resonates with you and if I resonate with you and I, I feel like I'm going to be able to, to support the person, then we can maybe look at creating something that would be useful. Uh, so yeah, if you want to reach out, uh, either if you want to just get to know more about my work and more about what I do, you can join the Words of Wisdom newsletter. And if you want to actually get in touch with me personally, I'll leave an email that you can, uh, you can find me through. Yeah, oh, I love that. Words of Wisdom. I'm actually creating something at the moment called Whispers of Wisdom. That's, that's oh, awesome. beautiful. <laughs> synchronicity right there yeah. uh, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and i think we could um you know have silent conversations for many many hours i would like to invite anybody that resonated with anything that we've shared today we really just not even scratched the surface on many things that we'd love to go and discuss deeper um with you about so reach out have a conversation you know check out um words of wisdom and if there's something in here that you think um could benefit you or someone you love yeah please reach out and just have a conversation you know it might be one conversation that changes the entire timeline of your life and maybe that's what you've been waiting for you know that one person that just opens that space and allows you to just lean back into yourself so you can be who you are and that is you know a beautiful state to be so thank you so much for your time today it's been an absolute pleasure having you and thank you to all the listeners until the next episode take care and reach out let's have a conversation Thank you so much, Margaret. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys, for listening. You're very welcome.